Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we have an NCAA prospect update from the Frozen Four, more Jordan Harris news, and everything you need to know about what's happening at the NHL GM meetings in Florida right now. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 582 of Locked On Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or here on YouTube if you are watching both of us right now. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Sabat. Laura, it's not quite Victory Monday, but it's not quite a bad thing either after they lost the... It's Tuesday. Um, whatever. Wow. We are off to a it's actually, <laughs> it's actually Monday right now. The episode is just going to come out on Tuesday. We're doing great over here. Oh, Lord. Anyways, can you tell that I just got back from some time off and I don't know what's going on? Um, Laura, how are we feeling on Tuesday? Tuesday, then, going into Tuesday. Now I'm going to get this part down pat here. I, you know what? I'm excited. The I was just talking to a friend just before we started recording about... Yeah, the Habs season is ending early, but there's so much exciting stuff coming up. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that in this segment because we got a suggestion from a listener, which I love, uh, and 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 we're going to get into that. But there's so much exciting stuff on the horizon. Just because the Canadian season ends on the 29th doesn't mean that we won't have stuff to talk about. There's the off-season decision-making that Kent Hughes is going to have to make. They're still filling out the front office. There are buyouts that could be considered. There's people to shop, people to... to to woo, I guess, people to court. Um, there's going to be the draft. We're going to meet a whole bunch of new players that are going to be part of the Habs future. And I'm just so excited for that coverage. I, I, I just, I don't see the season, the lockdown Canadian season ending when the Habs season ends. We're going to have so much fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, it, it's going to be a busy time. And right now the Canadians are playing, I don't want to say meaningless hockey games, but meaningless hockey games but right now they have a ton of prospects they had seven playing in the ncaa frozen four tournament they are down to two left obviously we know jordan harris and we will touch on him a little bit in the second segment and Jaden struble were eliminated northeastern is out uh brett stapley and rep pitlick from the university of minnesota and university of denver respectively are still playing in the tournament and a lot of people are going to look at uh, the scoring totals across this right now and think, well, they have all these big name prospects. Where are the points? And the Frozen Four is a it's a unique tournament. It's not quite like World Juniors where guys pop off against lower competition and rack up points or like in the Olympics where that tends to happen. Uh, in this one, you're playing the best of the best in the country and the leading score out of Habs prospects right now is Sean Farrell, who was eliminated in the opening rounds of the tournament against Minnesota State Mankato. And he had a goal and an assist. Uh, Ty Smolanek had an assist again in the game against Michigan, which Quinnipiac lost. It, I, I, I want to set people's expectations reasonably here in that just because they didn't put up gaudy numbers 
doesn't mean that their seasons are considered failures. Like Blake Biondi didn't put up any points for Minnesota Duluth in this tournament, but his season was such a huge step forward. In our episode with Russ Cohen last week from Lockdown Flyers, we talked about how the game has his game's evolving here. And obviously, Jordan Harris, it's disappointing for him, but he's done so much at Northeastern that it's all right. I, I really hope that people understand that just because they're not scoring five, six, seven goals in this tournament means that they didn't play well in it. I tend to agree with you. And there's so many things where tournaments are small sample size, whether you're talking about an NCAA tournament or you're talking even about playoffs. I mean, in, in, in the NHL, playoffs are kind of where legends are born and die, right? You, you, you're entire, like, I, I just look at what happens to Mitch Marner every year. Right. And things like that. So I think for me, and, and it's always such a small sample size, it's an important sample size, but it's not, it's not the be all and end all. And if you're only looking at the games on paper, which for a lot of us, they're not available to us, or we just, we simply cannot watch them at certain times. I think that NCAA tournament is something where I still think, valuable scouting can be done in those tournaments. It's just that it's never the full picture. And and as someone who's watched the frozen four and watched the championship game, when it was here in Buffalo, it's like you said, it's where, you know, the unexpected person steps up in a big way. And quite frankly, I think that's, what's going to be the case here. Like, cause look at the two people who are left Rhett Pitlick, who is a bottom six forward at Minnesota and Brett Stapley, who is a top six center at the university of Denver, uh, Stapley is someone that someone actually asked about this on Twitter is that he's up for a contract at the end of the season. The Canadians uh, either have to sign him or let him go. And I think he's been, I don't want to say underrated, but just under the radar this entire year with people paying attention to Jordan Harris and Sean Farrell. And now with Ty Smolana coming into this, I think Stapley's a guy who could go with the Jake Evans route and be a surprising fit in this Canadians organization here. He has a goal. He also got ejected for butt-ending a guy in the stomach after getting cross-checked in the next neck against UMass Lowell, uh, which I got to watch on an airplane. Uh, never done, you know, prospect research sitting on an airplane before, but there's a first time for everything. Uh, Stapley's really come into his own, and I think I'm I'm firmly in the camp of they should sign him uh, and give him a chance. I think he's, you know, another... I think he's a step above Jake Evans offensively, and we love Jake, but having another one isn't a bad thing overall. Uh, and that's the thing. We love Jake, and we really do. He's one of the players that we consistently praise with the acknowledgement that he's never going to be your your number one superstar, right? You need guys like him in the lineup, and he brings it every night. And he has he's sound defensively. He's smart defensively. Like sometimes you might not have the hands or the skill or the speed or whatever. In Jake Evans's case, I do feel like he's lacking that that like literal that talent, that scoring talent right there. But his brain works the way it should work. Um, and despite the efforts of one coward, Mark Shifley, it's still his hockey sense is still there. He knows how to do he he knows how to play a two way game. And if you have anyone that's remotely as committed as Jake Evans, you know that your bottom six is going to have a decent lineup, a, a decent, you know, decent personnel. Yeah. I, I like right now I'm looking at Stapley's elite prospect page and I'm bringing up Jake Evans elite prospect page here because I wanted to do, I wanted to look at their four years consensus. So similar uh, since they are similar players and at Notre Dame, 
Uh, Evans had 17 points, 33 points, 42 points, and 46 points for having a 45-point uh, rookie season in the AHL. Stapley went 19 points, 30 points, 7 points in a shortened uh, COVID season, and then 41 points this year. Uh, the biggest difference is uh, Brett Stapley uh, gets himself into some feisty penalty trouble here. Evans is a little bit more um, refined in that regard, but I see a very similar path for the two of them uh, coming into the NHL. So, but it, in terms of prospects who are signed, Jordan Harris, we have some news on him. We have a question from one of our listeners that we're going to touch on next, and that's all coming up in our next segment. But first, uh, college basketball has determined the final four and will determine the national championship this coming week. And betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. A bet online remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. You can get your hockey needs. You can get your sports wagering information on any league and includes live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. So we are getting a, a little bit of news as we kind of go along here. And the biggest news is Justin Barron played on Sunday in his Habs debut. And also this week, Jordan Harris was expected to join the team uh, sometime in April was the original report. And as of today, he is joining the team in Florida. Laura, did we get actual news during the show or? No, I was just checking to see if we got any news during the show. We Not yet. Okay. Not that I can tell. I was just saying you made a face that I went, oh no, what is, go what is no, going on? No, 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 on? it wasn't the we have a trade to announce face um, or somebody's injured or whatever. I was just double checking because uh, like we we talked about this before the, the show to give you guys a peek behind the curtain. But I missed a couple pieces of news that Scott had to update me on and I had to like hurriedly look it up before we started recording. And uh, as of right now from Renaud Lavoie, three hours ago at the time of this recording, so Monday afternoon or Monday uh mid-afternoon, whatever we want to call it, uh, Jordan Harris will be at Montreal Canadiens practice in Florida tomorrow, which means we are a lot closer to a Jordan Harris NHL debut than I think we were anticipating. I think a lot of people uh, assumed it wouldn't be until the following week, uh, but from Kent Hughes himself at the GM meetings and more on those in our final segment, uh, Hughes says it's not up to him, it's not up to, up to Gordon. Uh, Martin St. Louis has the final say on when Jordan Harris will be in the lineup. And I think like Justin Barron, he's not going to throw Harris to the wolves. They have a lot of tough games coming up. They have Florida this week. Obviously they have Tampa, they have Carolina. There's a lot of really hard games coming up that you don't want to take your top prospect and just throw them into shark infested waters. But there are two Sens games before the end of the season. Uh. <laughs> I might not play him in that just to protect him from getting hit in the head by some guy who's never going to be better than an AHL fourth liner. But, you know, that that that's just me. I don't know. Like, they're going to let Tyler Boucher play a game and he's going to do something stupid because he's bad at hockey. But um, I, I'm really excited to see what Jordan Harris can do in this lineup. Uh, Justin Barron's debut gave me a lot of uh, good, warm, fuzzy feelings and that I got to see that. And I'm hoping Harris does the same. Uh, he plays that very, I don't want to say conservative in a way because that makes it sound bad, but he plays a smart style of hockey. And I think the Canadians have pieces in this lineup that can fit very well alongside that, whether it be 
a Joel Edmondson, whether they pair him with Justin Barron, uh, a David Savard, who's, you know, a reliable defensive outlet there. There's a lot of options, and we know Martin St. Louis isn't afraid to give these guys a chance, so to speak. And I really think that's important, and I'm really excited to see, you know, what that detail or what that debut entails, honestly. Me too. And I think what we saw from the way Martin St. Louis handled Justin Barron is what gives me the most confidence. I think he's he's smart enough to know when someone's ready and how ready they actually are. And I think that to me is what gives me the most confidence that they're not going to destroy him. They're not going to ruin his development. And you know what? Cole Caulfield signed after his NCAA season was over and he got thrown to the wolves. He played a couple of games in Laval and then he got thrown to the wolves. He played on the biggest stage and he was able to rise to the occasion. Not everybody's Cole Caulfield, but you know, we like to talk about him on this podcast. We are big fans, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that you put someone on a stage like this and they rise to the occasion. There are still going to be growing pains. You're still going to be pushed around by gigantic men, especially if you're playing a really good team. Um, especially if one of those good teams is Florida, because I, you know, they've got a gigantic venture on on the back end. Um, but either way, I'm not too worried. I'm not too fussed about anything going badly. Like either he's going to play minimal amount of time and Habs fans are just going to be disappointed that we didn't see him more or he's going to be put in a position to succeed. And I'm excited about that part. Uh, and I guess to finish up here with this is this was actually a uh, comment in our YouTube section that Laura sent to me earlier uh, that mentions maybe drew in or about Jonathan drew and potentially being bought out this summer, because it, it really feels like he just, he can't seem to get any kind of momentum or good luck going at all whatsoever. And uh, honestly, like it, it sucks for Jonathan Drouin. And I, I feel bad that this is, he's always the one who seems to be in the spotlight uh, when it comes to things like this. And I am actually looking right now at the, uh, the cap I, am friendly on, <laughs> I am on cap friendly right now. I'm going to Jonathan Drouin. I'm clicking on his name uh, to buy him out. Uh, the post spot, it would cost $1.83 million uh, this season or next season and the season beyond that. Um, the Canadians would immediately save 3.6666, repeating against the cap next year, and then would owe uh, the 1.8 against the cap in the final year because his contract would be expired. I don't think they're going to buy him out. I don't. I don't see Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon doing that when they know that they might be able to get value by – giving him a fresh start somewhere else. And that might be one of those unexpected things. I want Jonathan Drouin to work out in Montreal. I truly do because I think he's a very talented player when he's not hurt and he's on his game. It's just the last few years between his mental health struggles that he had to take time away for. And he just, he can't seem to stay healthy for long. He'll get hot and then he'll get hurt and it's off the rails after that. And it feels like there's a really unfair spotlight on top of him here. Right. And the fan base is not forgiving at all. And this is this is not going to be the first time that we talk about this. Like, he's unfairly maligned. And I think 
you know, right now we're in the middle of the season, so it's not going to be, there's not probably not going to be time, but one of our off-season episodes should be talking to a couple of experts about how unfairly maligned he is. Now, the thing is, the fan base, once they've turned on him, I don't see it changing. They turned on him, they loved him back after he came back from mental health struggles, and then now they hate him again, and they are merciless. And so I, I want him to succeed elsewhere just for that reason. Uh, I do think that there are a couple candidates for buyout on this roster. Mike Hoffman is one of them, uh, and I would say that I don't think Jeff Petrie would ever get bought out, but I think that Jeff Petrie is going to get shopped. I think Jonathan Drouin is going to get shopped. And I think that Mike Hoffman is going to get shopped. And there was somebody else that we were talking about in the YouTube comment. And there were three forwards in Jeff Petrie that came to mind, all of whom were going to be chopped. I, I literally truly cannot remember. And I don't want to pull up my phone right now. Um, I got it. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> they meant they, uh, they did mention that it was nice to rediscover Jake Allen, Byron, Dvorak, Edmondson, and Zavard. Hoffman is frustrating, but not yet not yet as weird as Druan or Armia. So I think it was Hoffman, Armia, Armia and Druan. That's the person. <laughs> and I'm looking at these in that there's an immediate uh, – for Mike Hoffman, they save $3.3 million against the cap in the next two years, the length of his contract, and then oh one point six for two years after that. So it all depends on how much short-term game they want to get here. And I really do think that they're going to try and just – uh, get value for all these players. And I think they will. There are teams that are going to want a Mike Hoffman at a reduced salary, a Yol Armia at a reduced salary, but it's hard to know right off the top of things until we get to the off season when other contracts and other trades and things are moved around when teams have a more clear picture. Uh, I expect June and July to be very, very busy months for the Montreal Canadiens front office. I think we're going to see some some prospect signings through the end of the season here. And then once the Stanley Cup kind of comes to an end, uh, the Habs are just going to go, boom, they're going right in with everything. We're going to hear Petrie trade rumors. We're going to hear buyout rumors, this, that, and the other thing. I expect Kent Hughes to be a, a very busy man uh, starting this summer. I personally, when I look at this front office, when I look at Jeff Gordon and I look at Kent Hughes, they don't seem to me to be the buyout kind of people. They literally just don't. They seem to me that they would rather hold on to the guy and try and hope that Martin San Luis can work some magic or they're going to trade him for value. Like letting him go for nothing and then having them sit on the cap past their contracts doesn't seem like something that this management would do. And usually when there are buyouts like that, they're larger contracts, right? Like there's seven, eight, six million dollar contracts. You saw the Corey Perry one, Ryan Kessler. No, Ryan Kessler retired. Um, or he's on LTIR. He's on LTIR. But there's all kinds of like like massive contract buyouts that people, oh, uh, Parisian suitors who I was talking about when I said Ryan Kessler. Uh, but those are the guys, right? And then they're going to sit on your cap and you're going to have to pay penalties on that. Or they're just going to literally sit on your cap and there's no point to that when you can have an entire player for $1.8 million a year, right? Like you can have an entire player for two years, those two years that Mike Hoffman's going to stick around past his contract. We don't want that. And I don't think that Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes want that when these players are not useless players, there is a home for them somewhere in the NHL and whether or not it's Montreal, I think they would want it to be Montreal. Uh, sorry, the management would want it to be Montreal. But if it's not working out for the players in Montreal, then it's going to be elsewhere. But there is a home, and they can get if they get if they get back a draft pick, it's better than a cap hit, 
right? Yeah, uh, because like the previous regime bought out Carl Alsner and it just sat against the cap. And I, yeah, there was no trade value for him, but like having forethought to do something with that, I think is something that Hughes and Gortner are doing a really good job at. And speaking of Kent Hughes, he is a busy, busy man this week. He is down in Florida, Boca Raton for the NHL GM meetings. He did not bring a plant with him this time or at all. That was Mark Bergevin's thing. We're going to touch on some of the things that have come up at the GM meetings and so much more in our final segment. But first on the show, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And with so many makes and models of cars, it can be really intimidating and frustrating to go into any kind of chain store, pay more, and get asked all kinds of questions that you might not have the answer to. You know, is your model an LX or an EX? Is it an LS or an LT? You have a computer at your house and in your pocket in terms of your phone. So you can go check out rockauto.com today and save time and money. And you can save 30, 50, and even 100% on the same parts that you would find at a chain store. And Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything that you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for your car anything you're possibly looking for. So please go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so it is uh, NHL GM meeting weeks, which is... um, Yes. Sorry, I was on mute. Did you see how I put a plant in honor of the, the GM meetings? It's a fake plant. It's a pineapple head that my sister made for me for our Halloween costume <laughs> a few years ago. Those of you following me on, on Instagram can find it if you go back back when we were still in the office days. Uh, but yeah, I put that there and then I forgot to mention it off the top of the show, but that's why uh, it's there. <laughs> as you can tell, I'm doing a very good job paying attention to what's happening in the background of my co-host's uh, recording <laughs> studio. So it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, the NHL GM meetings are always interesting because there's a lot of things that can happen and then a lot of things that probably will not happen And there are two things I wanted to bring up right now. One of them actually kind of impacts the Canadians because it's related to something that happened in the game uh, when Chris Weidman need Joel Farabee right in the groin and was assessed a five-minute major penalty. In the uh, Farabeans. Right in the Farabeans. Uh, (laughs) Possible change for next season on a major penalty review. If the referees believe that no penalty should be assessed, they will have the right to do so, and it does not become an automatic two-minute minor. So if they look at a headshot, a hit from behind, anything like that, they don't have to give a penalty if they, at all if they don't warrant it. They can no longer give a five and then reduce it because they have to. They can just wipe it out off the board entirely. And I, I don't know quite how well that's going to go over because I think if you hit anyone in the head at any point in time, you should be given a five-minute penalty, even if it wasn't intentional. It's what they do in the IIHF. It's what they do in college. And I think it does well to deter I, what I would consider dirty hits. And one of the other big things is uh, a change to the LTIR program, which is a, not the word I wanted to use for that, but it's the best way I can describe it in that someone proposed, and I believe it was Gordon Miller on Twitter, is that you cannot acquire a player just to put them on LTIR. So if a team wanted to acquire Shea Weber, he has to have been on the team already. You cannot trade for his contract and then add it to LTIR. He had to have been on your team at the beginning of the season. 
and that there can be a player if he's been there for seven years or more that his cap hit only counts half. And my first thought is the LTIR rules are going to change at some point because the Vegas to Donoff situation's a mess. Uh, Tampa Bay being $18 million over the cap in the playoffs was a mess, even though they're the ones who voted to close the loophole in the first place. Someone's going to get mad and this is going to change. But right now, if you're not cheating, you're not really trying. The Canadians are using LTIR to great effect right now, and they're not the only team. Uh, But I would be very interested to see what changes come out of this and how teams are going to, if they change the LTIR rules, a lot of teams are going to be scrambling to fix their rosters this offseason, which means there's a lot of desperation moves to be made, which is good if you're a rebuilding team like the Canadians. I also heard, and I'm not sure if this was finally confirmed because it was a prediction, that the cap is only going up by $1 million next year. Uh, Chris Johnston confirmed that on the CJ show, I believe. Yes, which there you go. still not bad. It, going up is a good thing, but... A lot of teams signed contracts expecting that growth with the new TV deal and everything. And then COVID just hammered any of their potential changes there. So I, I GMs are going to have to get creative here in the near future because they signed deals with expectations, which fair, but now you have to think on your feet. This is when good GMs show what they're worth. And we're seeing that in Tampa. We're seeing that in Florida. We're, begrudgingly kind of seeing that in Toronto uh, when they acquired certain deals to get close enough to the cap to then utilize LTIR to maximum effect. Or you could be Vegas who just throws money into the wind and goes, it's okay. The NHL will just bail us out. Um, (laughs) I'm really, really intrigued to see where the GM meetings go this week and what else gets discussed in terms of uh, LTIR and contracts and new things for the CBA, because if they don't get resolved soon, they're going to become a big point of contention when the CBA expires in, I believe it's three or four years and it's not going to be a fun debate. And I would not, I don't like that future of having to negotiate with uh, Gary Bettman over this and the owners and stuff. Well, the last time they changed LTIR rules and things like that, they were, they did allow a certain amount of leeway. There were certain amounts of contracts that either didn't weren't subject to the rule or they were a little bit softer on them, and then anything signed after the rule changed would be subject to that rule. So I'm wondering if they go all in on this new updated, and, and it applies to everybody even from before, or if it's going to be something new. I'm curious about that part. But then the other thing too then is that the Canadians at the beginning of every season are going to have to fit Shea Weber back under the cap before they can put him on an LTIR literally every season. That seems to me to be a pain. It's not It's not going to be so bad next year when there's a whole bunch of players that can be sent up and down because they're so, so new. But then when they have enough games, that's going to cause problems in the, in the subsequent years where the Canadians are hoping to move closer towards contending. And my thought is before any of these changes come in, uh, the Canadians and Ken Hughes being a player agent are going to try and jettison that Shea Weber deal because you have... Carey Price at $10.5 million, who wants to keep playing, is not on the verge of retiring. You got to fit that cap hit somehow. And you've got Nick Suzuki with a new contract. You have Caulfield, who has a contract coming up. You have Romanov with a contract coming up. It's going to be a lot of hard choices because Hughes and Gordon have to undo the work of the previous regime. And they used LTIR to get where they're at. And John Sedgwick being what he is, he's a very good capologist for this team. There's going to be a lot of, you know, pain and tough choices here. And that's just the way hockey works. So 
Uh, we will keep you posted this week as the GM meetings continue. There's obviously going to be so much more that gets discussed and so much more that's likely to happen. We have a doubleheader of games on Tuesday when you are listening to this. The Habs play the Panthers and the Rocket are in Manitoba to play the Moose. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll have your game recaps and everything afterwards. Please make sure you're following us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadian. Subscribe here on YouTube. We are 71 followers away our subscribers away from hitting 500, which we'll figure out who's doing what that's disgusting when that happens. Uh, you can follow Laura at the active stick on Twitter. You can follow me at Scott Matla. Thank you so much for making us your first listen today. Please make sure you check out locked on fantasy hockey. When you were done with us in case you want to rule your fantasy hockey league for this year and every year past that.